Well, let's turn to James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. And this is the last two verses in the book of James. So this is our last Friday, this sermon series on this powerful letter. I know this has been encouraging for me. I've been hearing reports of how it's been encouraging for many of us. So today we, we wrap up. And to set the stage for this passage this morning, I want to tell you a story that I just read recently about something that happened in America about eight years ago. So 10 years ago in America, I start there, a man named Mono from Indonesia moved to America and started working there. And he was out on a holiday just at a park, and, and uh, a, he met a fellow, not a fellow believer, he met a believer in Jesus Christ. So Mono was not a believer in Jesus Christ, but he met a believer in Jesus Christ who befriended him, loved him, had coffee with him, invited him over to his home for dinner, shared the gospel with him, and over the next few weeks and months, Mono saw the truth of Jesus Christ, saw that he was a sinner who needed to be forgiven, saw that Jesus Christ had come so he could be forgiven and gave his life to Jesus Christ, was born again, new heart, Holy Spirit poured out upon him, transformed man. A year later, this man who led him to the Lord discovered that Mono was working in this country illegally, in America. He's working in America illegally. And he was lying to his employer about his visa status. So here's the question I want you to think about. If you had just heard this about Mono, if you were the one who led Mono to faith in Jesus Christ, if you had just heard that he was disobeying the government, he was working illegally, when the Bible says we're to do all we can to obey the government, if you had just heard that he was lying to his employer, when we saw in the book of James just a few weeks ago that our yes should be yes and our no should be no, we should tell the truth. If you had just heard that about Mono, what would you do? What should you do? James tells us. James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Look at what he says. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul, the sinner's soul, from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Okay, so here we are, Grace Church. And here in this passage, James tells us, Grace Church and every assembly of believers in Jesus Christ, he tells us what we should do when one of us wanders from the truth. This is real here. This is not just theory someday. This could be this afternoon. This could be this next week. This probably will be these next months and years. Here we are, Grace Church, and James tells us what we should do when one of us wanders from the truth. So what does James say we should do? Now, to understand what we should do, let's start with this question first. How can we tell if somebody is wandering from the truth? What does that mean? What would it look like to wander from the truth? And here's the picture that I think is in James' mind. Picture a road leading from Sin Swamp to Paradise Valley. Okay? We've all been in Sin Swamp. By God's grace and mercy through Jesus, he saved us, changed our hearts, forgave our sins. He set us on the road to Paradise Valley. So 
This is the road. The truth of Jesus Christ marks this road. The truth of the scriptures mark this road. And so as we are trusting Jesus, seeking to obey what he's called us to do in the word, and when we stumble in sin, we confess and repent, that all shows that we are not wandering from the truth, but we are in the truth. We're on the road. You see that? So that's how you can tell if, if you're on the road. But if we sin and don't confess our sin, don't repent our sin, then instead of walking on this road, we've now turned and we're starting to head off of the road. We're, we're wandering from the truth. We're starting to wander off the road. So, for example, God calls us to love our enemies and to forgive everyone who hurts us. Now, that, that's not easy to do. I'm sure some of you are thinking it's impossible. But listen, Jesus Christ can so fill your heart with his love and his peace and his fullness that you will be able to forgive anyone. I pr he promises you. That's why he calls us, love your enemies, forgive those who hurt you. That's what Jesus calls us to do. Now, let's say that a brother in your home group tells you, that somebody at his workplace has just really done something harmful to him. And he says, I am absolutely furious at this person. I will never forgive him. At that point, this brother is not walking on the road. He's wandering from the road. He's wandering from the truth. You see that? That's how it works. Another example. God calls us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And to gather together regularly to encourage each other, to bear each other's burdens, to study God's word together, to worship, to pray. That's what God calls us to do because we love each other and care for each other. So if there's a sister in your home group who hasn't been around, hasn't been in home group, hasn't been here on Fridays, isn't going to some other church, just has decided fellowship's not that important. At that point, that sister is wandering from the truth. You see why? Because the path of following Jesus means fellowshipping regularly. And if you've chosen not to do that, you're, you're wandering from the truth. Another example. God calls us to be faithful to our spouse. So if there's a woman in your home group who tells you she's been flirting with a man at her workplace who's not her husband... She'd be wandering from the truth. Or if there's a man in your home group who is looking at pornography, he's not being faithful to his spouse, and he's wandering from the truth. And Mono, who I mentioned earlier, because he was lying to his employer, he was working illegally, he wasn't repenting, confessing, seeking to change that, he just was doing that. Mono was wandering from the truth. So how can we tell if somebody is wandering from the truth? Someone is wandering from the truth if they have disobeyed what God has commanded and they are not repenting of it, they're not confessing it, they're just continuing in that path. In that case, they're wandering from the truth. So what danger then? Here's the second question we need to ask from this passage. What danger does this person face who is wandering from the truth? It's shocking what James says in these verses in terms of what danger this person is facing. Verses 19 and 20, let's read them again. My brothers, 
If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So James in verse 20 describes this danger in two ways. First, the person who wanders from the truth faces the danger of death. Do you see that? Because James says if you bring him back, you've saved his soul from death, which means if he doesn't come back, then the danger he's facing is death. Do you see that? It's very clear. Now, what kind of death is James talking about here? It, it can't just be physical death. Because to bring somebody back who's wandering from the truth, they're still going to die physically, right? You haven't saved them from dying physically. We all die physically. So the death that James is talking about here, all the commentators that I looked at agreed for that reason, that the death James is talking about here is spiritual death forever, being judged by God. It's hell is what he's talking about. That's the danger, the first way he puts it. Second way he describes his death, the person who wanders from the truth faces the danger of their sins not being covered. You see that in, in verse 20? James says if you bring the brother back who's been wandering, then there'll be a multitude of sins. His sins will be covered, which means that the danger he's facing while he's wandering is of his sins not being covered. Okay, what does that mean? Why is it such a danger to have your sins not be covered? Here's why. The Bible says that God is absolutely perfect in all of his attributes, including his justice. And so every sin must be punished. Every sin will be punished. Now that, that presents a great problem for each of us, for me and for you, because we've all sinned against God. There's not one of us in this room that hasn't sinned against God this morning. And God's just and every sin must be punished. But God loves us. God cares about us. And in, in great mercy, God sent Jesus 2,000 years ago, born in a manger, we celebrate on Christmas. And he grew up, taught, worked amazing miracles to show that he was fully God and fully man. And then he went to the cross. And on the cross, he was punished in our place for our sins. It's the best news in the world. God is perfectly just, yes, but oh, does God love us. God loves us and sent Jesus so we could be forgiven because Jesus paid for our sins in our place. So, the moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ, all your sins are covered by Jesus' blood, his shed blood for you on the cross. All your sins are covered by his forgiveness. All your past sins, all your present sins, all your future sins covered, which means you're forgiven. And you will never face judgment from God, ever. Be welcomed into heaven to be in the joy of worshiping him, knowing him with all the redeemed from every nation, tongue, and tribe. That's what it means for your sins to be covered by Jesus' forgiveness. But if your sins are not covered, what does that mean? It means that your sins have not been paid for by Jesus, and it means that you yourself will pay the punishment for your sin, which is another way of describing the death that James mentioned in verse 20. So that's the danger that we face here. When someone wanders from the truth, they face the danger of eternal spiritual death and of having their sins not be covered by Jesus' forgiveness. 
Now, at this point, we should feel, if we're tracking with James, just how serious this is. It doesn't get more serious than this. If you're feeling like, whoa, this is serious, you're right. We're talking about eternity here. The danger your brother or sister faces when they wander is of eternity. The reason you need to bring them back is because when you bring them back, you've saved their soul from eternal death. The reason you need to bring them back is so that they will have their sins be covered by Jesus' forgiveness. That's the danger they face. That's why this is so urgent. That's why this is so important. Now, this should raise some questions in your mind if you've been reading the Bible for a while. Like, what about once saved, always saved? Anybody raise that question? I mean, once you're saved, the, doesn't the Bible teach that you can't lose your salvation? And you're right. The Bible teaches that once you're saved, you can't lose your salvation. The, the doctrine is called the perseverance of the saints, which teaches that when God saves you, he promises that he will keep you persevering on the road all the way to heaven. You will not fall off the side. He will keep you on the road. He promises that. Okay, so the question we have to raise is, how does this warning in verse 20 fit with the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints? Are you feeling the weight of the question? Okay, let's take a look at this. First of all, let me show you one verse that teaches the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. One of my favorite verses, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I would really encourage you to read, not just to read, to memorize this verse. It is so encouraging because there are times when you feel too weak to continue. There's times when you think about all the temptations you could face in the days and months and weeks ahead, and you think, I can't do that. I may not make it. And at that point, you need to pull out this verse, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, which says, Paul's writing, he says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Okay, so the reason you're saved is because God began a good work in you. With his power, because of what Jesus did, his love and mercy, he reached down from heaven sometime in the past, he changed your heart, he gave you faith, he caused you to repent, put your trust in Jesus Christ, you were born again, forgiven for all your sins, God's spirit was poured out in your life, you were filled with his love, filled with his joy, you knew God by the Holy Spirit, you were transformed, God began a good work in you. Remember when that happened? God began a good work in you, and what Paul is saying in this verse is that he who began a good work in you will, underline that word there in your Bibles, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus, which means God will keep you on the road to heaven. You will not wander off the side to eternal destruction. He will keep you on the road. Now, that doesn't mean you'll be sinless. Remember, the way we defined departing from the road was that you sin and you and you don't repent. That's heading off the road. But we will sin when we're on the road. Remember Peter denied Christ three times? But then he repented. God touched his heart, brought him to repentance again. And that's how God will work in our lives. Being on the road doesn't mean we're sinless. It means that when we sin, God moves in our hearts. We repent. We confess. We're completely assured of forgiveness. God's love is poured out upon us afresh once again. Thank you, Lord. We're strengthened. We're established. We're in his love. We're back on the road again. 
So that's what it means that the good work God began, he will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. That's what he promises to do. See, it's like God's like a master potter. He takes this lump of sinful clay. This looks ugly, blah, there I was, blah. This is a blob of clay, okay? And God, in love and mercy, at great cost to himself, begins this good work through what Jesus did. Molds, shapes, repentance, faith, loving Christ, walking on the road. And he, he doesn't start that and then just, duh, forget it, done with it. No, no, he will bring that work to completion. You will enter heaven. So here's what this means. Every saved person will enter heaven and no saved person will not enter heaven. That's what the Bible teaches. Okay, now, now do you feel the problem with the warnings that James gives? See, it's good for us to say, okay, how do these scriptures fit together? Because that, that helps us to think and helps us to put pieces of the scriptures together. Questions are good. Thinking is good. So here's an illustration that I have found helpful. The question is, why does James say that somebody who wanders from the truth faces the danger of spiritual death and of having his sins not be covered by Jesus' forgiveness? Because that sounds like some saved people will not go to heaven. That's what it sounds like. So here's the illustration that I found helpful to me. So picture, picture the road to heaven. Okay, there you are. Here's the road to heaven from Sin Swamp to Paradise Valley. Now, this road to heaven does have steep drop-offs on each side, leading to eternal destruction. Okay, it does have steep, it's not meadows of green grass out there. It is steep drop-offs, which would lead to eternal destruction. That's what the road, the road has. And so it's essential that we stay on the road and that we not wander off the side. But God promises that when he begins the good work in us, he will bring it to completion. He will keep us on the road. He will not let us walk off the side. And how does he do that? Two ways. One is by giving us warnings, like here, here in verse 20. It's like you're, you're on the road and you start wandering off to the side, but then here's this sign right in front of you. Caution! Eternal destruction past this point. Turn back immediately. Okay? And there's these signs all along the road, right? The warnings of God's word all along the side of the road. That's one way that God keeps us on the road. But that's not enough because our hearts are, we still have remaining sin in us and we can ignore those signs, those warnings, so not only does God put signs up along the road, he changes our hearts so we pay heed to those warnings. So because you've been saved, you've all felt this, you've all experienced this, when you move into sin, start to drift, wander away from the truth, and you see the warning, there's eternal death. I, my sins would be not covered by Jesus. Your heart has been changed by God, so you, you tremble at that. You say, I don't want that. Help me, Father. Change me. Look at my heart. I want to keep going. And oh, he will move in upon you. He will comfort you. He will strengthen you. He will help you. He will get you back on the road. He'll cleanse you from that sin. He'll renew your heart, get you back on the road, and you're good to go again. So there's two things that God does to keep us on the road. He puts the signs up on the sides. Caution! Eternal destruction past this point. And he changes our hearts. So we pay heed to the signs. So that's how God works. 
That's how he keeps us. That's how he keeps us persevering all the way to the end. So there's no contradiction between the warnings and between God's promise to keep us all the way to the end because God uses the warnings to keep us on the road. See how that works? Here's how Tom Schreiner and Sean Wright put it in in a book I read a little while back. They say, the warnings are the means God uses to preserve his own. And the warnings are always effective in the lives of the elect, the lives of those who've been saved. Okay, so the warnings are absolutely true. If I wander off the side of the road, off the edge, I will face eternal destruction. The warnings are true. Okay? But if that happens, then that would show that I was never saved in the first place. Because when God saves you, he changes your heart, so you pay heed to the warnings, and you turn back. You turn back. You turn back, and then you're forgiven again. You're assured again. You're cleansed again. You're renewed again. You're loved again. Prodigal son, father running towards you. You know the whole story. So that's how these God uses the warnings to keep us on the road. So the warnings are true. And God will use the warnings to keep his people on the road. Okay. I hope that answers the question. If you want to email me, we can talk more about that. But now in this verse, in these two verses, James is not talking about a situation where we are moving towards the edge of the road. He's talking about a situation where one of our brothers or sisters in Christ is moving towards the edge of the road. So how should we respond then when a brother or sister wanders from the truth? From what I've just said, you could draw a wrong conclusion. You could think, oh, they'll be fine. They're saved. God's changed their heart. They'll respond to the warnings. They'll be okay. God will work it out between them. I'll just stay out of this. It'll it'll all be good. Is that what James tells us here in this passage? Look again at what James says. What should we do? Verses 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So we should not think, oh, they'll be fine because God's changed their heart and they'll pay heed to the warnings. That's not what we should say. What James wants us to do is we should go to them and we should love them and and care for them and seek to bring them back to the truth. Now, Now, why do we need to do that? It's because another way that God keeps brothers and sisters, keeps all of us on the road, is through us doing that with each other. That's another way that God does this. He puts the warnings up on the side, he changes our hearts so we pay heed to the warnings, and he brings brothers and sisters who will come alongside us and say, I love you. I'm a fellow sinner. I'm no better than you. Am I understanding right what's going on? I heard you say this. Are you lying to your employer? And and, this is what scriptures say about lying, and here's the warnings that come. God loves you. God will help you. He will forgive you through Jesus. He'll, he'll, He'll empower you. He will take care of you. God will use brothers and sisters going to each other And through the words and through the brothers, sisters showing us the promises, God will use that to change our hearts, wake us up to the warnings so we stay on the road. That's how this works. See, we believers can be deceived by sin. I mean, you've experienced this. 
you're sinning, you want to sin, you don't care about the warnings. You don't want to think about the warnings. I'm not going to look at the warnings. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to worry about the warnings, right? That's how we get sometimes. And what we need is somebody to come along and say, Fuller, what are you doing? Hello, what are you doing? Right? Wake up. I mean, we wouldn't really do it. That's just a, that's not how we do it. Okay, please don't. But we do go with love and humility and say, I love you. I might be wrong. Is this, is this what's going on? Please pay heed to these warnings. And God will use your words and you opening the scripture to change your brother and sister's heart so they own up to the warnings and turn back. That's how it works. Okay, so let's say, back to the other illustration, let's say your friend is really angry with someone at work and says, I'm never going to forgive them. And they know the warnings. They've heard the teaching. I don't care. Do you know what he did? Do you think I'm going to forgive him after they did that? No way. Okay. They're they're wandering. They're they're heading right to the edge. And James says, "Don't, don't just say they'll be fine. It'll get worked out between them and God. Go to them. You may be the means God's going to use to bring them back onto the road. Go to them. Humbly, lovingly, prayerfully. Show them the scriptures. And God will use your love and your sharing the warnings to set them free from from their blindness, their deception, so they turn back into the road. So what I want you to see from this passage is, do you see how important fellowship is? Many, many Christians understand that we're supposed to be committed to fellowship, but we don't understand all the reasons why. This is one massive reason why. It's because God has chosen to use our fellowship as the means of keeping us on the road to heaven. John Piper likes to say that eternal security is a community effort. And it is. It's a community effort. And so fellowship should have the aroma of seriousness about it. Not just seriousness, okay? It's a joyful seriousness, and it's a serious joy, but it is serious because eternity is at stake when we gather. We're all coming in. Satan's been prowling like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We need to love each other and care for each other and encourage each other. Eternity is at stake. See, we don't just get involved in fellowship because we like having friends. We need to get involved in fellowship because we like having friends in heaven. You need friends to keep you on the road to heaven and your friends need you so they can stay on the road to heaven we need each other do you see the importance of fellowship according to what james is saying here this is one reason why in our membership covenant here at grace church we members commit to loving each other in these ways to caring for each other to bearing each other's burdens to speaking the truth in love and humility to each other and This is one reason why it is so important that you be part of a home group. Every church needs to structure itself so that the believers can get good fellowship together. Every church has to figure out how to do this. There's no one perfect way, but the way we're pursuing it is through home groups. So to be part of Grace Church, become part of a a home group. It's absolutely crucial. You need brothers and sisters around you who will lovingly help you see the warnings when you're drifting. And there's brothers and sisters who need you to help them see the warnings when they are drifting. And home group is where we experience that level of of closeness and togetherness. Don't 
don't just come here on a Friday morning and enjoy the service and then leave and come back next Friday but never have any connection. Listen, to do that, you are risking spiritual suicide. I love you too much to let you do that without saying it here. That's not church life. It needs to be part of a body, part of a community. It takes time, yes, and it's worth every second of it because eternity is at stake in our fellowship together. So, when you see someone wandering from the truth without confessing, without repenting, they're just knowingly pursuing sin, what should you do? You should prayerfully, humbly go to them. You go prayerfully and humbly because you're a sinner too. You're no better than they are. You're not going with judgment. You're just a fellow sinner saying, Here's what, I, here's what I heard, here's what maybe I saw, I hope I'm wrong. Is this what's going on? Please tell me I'm wrong. And if they say, no, I'm, 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 I'm not going to forgive. Yes, I'm going to leave my wife or whatever it might be. Then we sit down and we say, but look at what Jesus says. He loves you. Jesus loves you. He tells you to love your wife. He tells you to forgive. And here's the warnings he gives. Please, and you pray with them. And you point them to the cross. And you point them to how... Oh, they can be assured of forgiveness. God will change their hearts. God will strengthen them. God will accept them. It's beautiful. That's what God will do. Now, just one other thought. Some of you this morning, because I was just in worship earlier, it, the thought struck me. I, I think it might be from the Lord. But some of you may feel like you've wandered from the truth and you've already gone over the edge and it's too late. It's not too late. I don't know where you are on, on the road, but it's never too late. Look to the Lord Jesus. Say, help me. Forgive me. Change me. Look at this sin. Look at this heart. It's so cold. It's so unspiritual towards you. Change this heart. Help me. I promise you, he will. He, he will change your heart. He will give you fresh faith. He will assure you of complete forgiveness. So you'll know, I'm back on the road. I'm back on the road. The road from sin swamp to Paradise Valley, your brothers and sisters. So it's never too late if you'll simply turn and ask Jesus to help you, to forgive you, to change you. He will. He will. Okay, now, back to the story of Mono. What happened with Mono? I want to close with this story. So the man who led Mono to faith discovered that Mono was working illegally in America and lying to his employer. And so what did this man do? Well, he humbly and prayerfully, he did what James says. He sought to bring Mono back to the truth. Mono was wandering, sought to bring him back. And so he met with him, and he, and he, he asked him questions. Am I right that you're working here illegally? Yes. And, and, and you're lying to your employer? Yes. Mono said, but I need the money. I could never make this much money back in Indonesia. If I went back, there would be terrible financial hardship for me. There's, there's no way I can change. And they had meeting after meeting after meeting. And this brother pled with him and wept with him and prayed for him and shared the scriptures with him. He offered to help him financially. And finally, God used this brother's love and prayer and the deception lifted. Mono saw it. He saw what he was doing. He saw how close he was coming to the edge and he apologized to his employer, he quit his job, and he went back to Indonesia. 
now. A little while later, he wrote his friend a letter. And here's what he said. Andy, Andy was the believer who led him to the Lord. Thank you for always remembering me and for continuing to pray for me. I know now that God brought me home to Indonesia because an eternal prize was waiting for me there. I wish I could describe to you what kind of relationship I have today with the Lord. That was part of the prize that was awaiting him in Indonesia. What kind of relationship I have today with the Lord. It is too beautiful to describe. I miss you all. Much love, Mono. Now, one other thing he didn't mention in this letter is that part of his going back to Indonesia was a massive career change. And he is now a missionary to an unreached people group in Indonesia, preaching the gospel, planting churches, seeing amazing ministry take place. So Andy loved Mono enough to seek to bring him back. So Grace Church, here we are, okay, just us. We're seeking to be a, a biblical church. And so this is what we are called to do when a brother or a sister is wandering from the truth. We need to be humble. We need to be prayerful. When we go to each other, we don't go accusing. We go asking. We could be mistaken. We hope we are mistaken. We don't go with any kind of anger or bitterness or pride or sense of superiority. That's sin. That's heading off the road itself, right? We go humbly, prayerfully. We open up the scriptures. We share the warnings. We pray we point each other to the cross. We say, Jesus is real. He'll change your heart. He'll forgive you. Let's keep on the road together. Let's do that for each other. That's what Jesus calls us to do. And that's one of the ways that Jesus will keep each of us on the road to Paradise Valley. Let's stand together. I want to pray this for us. Father, I pray that you would touch our hearts with what we need to hear right now. Lots of different needs in this room. Some here who are in sin, not confessing it, being stubborn, not wanting to change. Lord, please, use the words James has spoken that I've spoken to touch their hearts right now so they see the danger and they turn back. Right now, throughout this room, Lord, cause people to turn back who are drifting. Lord, I pray for those here who are thinking of someone that they are, are fearful is, is wandering. And Lord, I pray that you would give them the boldness and the love to meet with them as soon as they possibly can with humility and with love and with questioning and with truth. And that you would use them to bring this wandering brother or sister back. I pray, Lord, for any here who are listening to all this and, and they're not on the road to Paradise Valley yet. They need to be saved from their sins and brought into relationship with you, Father God, through Jesus. I pray that, that you would touch their hearts with their need for a Savior, with the, the beauty of Jesus, who is their Savior, who will be their Savior, and that they'd be saved today. So come and work, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.